a un primero de mayo. <risa> Hello and welcome to the The Sam D Podcast. I am your host, Sam Duzame Jr. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube at The Sam D. That's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. For all content, audio, and visual, hit up thesamd.com. Follow along with the podcast on social media at The Sam D Podcast. Musical production done by May 1st Music. Support him at soundcloud.com slash May 1st Music. Did any of y'all catch Doris Burke the other night? She was on the ESPN broadcast and uh, she was breaking down three-point usage and uh, three-point philosophy and how the three-pointer has been implemented and used ad nauseum throughout the league. And she had a little little saying there at the end of it to describe the philosophy and Doris Burke said you know the philosophy today is teams go with the motto of our threes are better than your twos hmm interesting wonder where whomever got that from there is a lot to get into. There's only a couple of games left for most teams. You either have one or two games left. And there's a lot of jockeying for playoff positions and things like that. But can we talk about the Lake Show? And I've been called a Laker fan. I am not. If you know this, Pi, you should know. Fandom is a mental illness. But I'm, I'm a realist. I observe what's going on. I can analyze, been doing this for so long that it's easy to me when I see certain things. So the Lakers have beat the Nuggets and the Suns and took care of Knicks tape. All coming down the stretch here with little to no Braun and just AD. And they lost Caruso, they've lost Schroeder. And they're still out here getting wins and wins that they need to try to claw their way out of the playing position. Portland drops a huge game last night to the Suns. Could have gotten up out of the play-in and clinched the sixth seed or at least clinched not being in the play-in. Tricked that off. Terry Stotts, what the fuck? Again, you look at the team that has Dame Lillard, who I feel is a top five player in the world. And he has ancillary pieces around him. He has C.J. McCollum. He has the now 10th leading scorer in NBA history, Carmelo Anthony, soon to be ninth, maybe even as high as 8th, if he continues to play for a couple of years. He's got Nurkic. Zach Collins, just is, has, he's just injury riddled. But there's enough pieces around Dame where you're like, this team should be, should the operative word, a contender every year. If Dame is really top five, and I believe he is, and C.J. McCollum, who most of y'all know I'm not that high on, but I at least respect the fact that he's a bucket and he has made himself be a bucket. Y'all know how I feel about Melo. Big fan of Nurkic when he's out there and he's healthy and he's getting to rock. Hello, Terry Stotts. So, Portland 
always is an enigma. You don't know what you're going to get. You can lean on injuries. You can lean on things like that. But I think it's going to be time soon. And I don't know what Dame's going to do. Dame is a loyal dude. He's, he's from the West Coast. So being in the Pacific Northwest is not that big of a deal. At some point, man, he got his Supermax bag. So he's good there. If you really want to cement. Because Dame has top 10 point guard potential. Or at least guard. Because, I mean, he's not really a point guard. He's a scoring guard. He's probably the evolution of what Russie, D. Rose, all those guys who kind of came in late 90s, early 2000s into the 2010s. Dame is probably the culmination or the apex of what that is. He can crack top 20 guards when it's all said and done. If he continues at at this trajectory, the problem is he's never going to win anything. And he may say that doesn't mean anything to him. And that may be. Some dudes don't care about that. But when it comes to legacy, when it comes to knowing your worth and getting everything that you can out of the talent that you have, you also want to be able to have that be done by your employer. You also want your team, your organization, to put enough pieces around you for you to really excel and take next level type steps. And the Blazers haven't done that. And I think we need to start looking at Terry Stotts. It might be time for Terry Terry Stotts to get up out of them because Dame seems to win in spite of Terry Stotts instead of the Portland Trail Blazers organization and Terry Stotts, you know, emboldening Dame Lillard to be the best player that he could be. So Portland keeps being shaky. They had that one year where they were what the two seed? They were the two seed and they fell in what this they fell in the Western Conference Finals, right? That was that one time. One time. That's the far furthest they've been. Just that one time, I believe. But the Lake Show, playing or not. And I think this whole thing of the league wanting Braun versus Steph in the playing, for sure they want that for marketing, right? Because as LeBron is being tight uh, in regards to the fact that players don't get paid for the playoffs, right? You get playoff shares, depending on how long your team lasts in the playoffs. But in regards to salary, there is nothing. And through his mouthpiece, who is Wendy, Brian Windhorse, LeBron has made it known that he is upset that players don't get paid, and more so him, don't get paid for this playing thing, nor the playoffs themselves. The league wants Steph versus LeBron in anything, in any kind of scenario. Does it really matter, though? If Steph goes out here and becomes a raging inferno for one game, do you really think that's enough to beat LeBron in AD? I mean, you have Shaq on TNT saying Steph's the best player in the league now. Are we doing that movie again? Are we doing that sequel? About four or five years ago, y'all were saying that? Y'all were saying that Steph was the best in the world? And then he went out there and choked up 3-1, Y'all replaying that movie again now? With this Steph is the best player in the world? Yes, the league wants it. Yes, it would do numbers. Yes, the ratings would be crazy. Social media... Twitter would be crazy that night, win or lose for whichever squad. If Steph is a raging inferno and he somehow is able to defeat LeBron and AD, Twitter's going to be insane. 
And uh, and the reciprocal of that is also the reverse of that is also the same. It's also true. If Braun and AD go out here and shut down Steph, Twitter's going to have a field day with that too. So it doesn't matter. The thing about it is, if you're the Lake Show, you don't want to do the playing game just because it's an extra game. It's an extra night of work when you should be getting ready. I think if you don't have to do the playing tournament, you get like a week off. And what team doesn't want a week off heading into the playoffs? Especially when you're talking about AD who was hobbling against the Knicks. It didn't play in the next game. LeBron, who's been hobbling for the first time in his career, maybe even his life. Schroeder out. Caruso has been out. They're trying to figure out what the hell to do with Montrez, Gasol, and Andre Drummond. The Lake Show, more than any other team, any other team, needs that week off. But does it really matter if they don't get that week off? Because in the end, you have LeBron and AD. And the other team, whoever you're going against, Steph or whoever, doesn't. Steph and a bunch of dudes should not be able to beat LeBron and AD in any scenario. So the playing thing, the fear of Steph, I think is just marketing. In actuality, it's damn dog, we need that week off. AD needs a week off. LeBron needs a week off. Now, will the league do what they got to do to make sure we get that Laker dub playing? Lakers have to win out. They have to win their last two games. They need Portland to lose their last game, which is, I think, at the crib against the Nuggets. And the Nuggets might need that game for seeding. So the Nuggets might not just lay down and let the Blazers get that easy dub. So what's it going to be? Is there anything... If you're a Lake Show fan, is there anything that you're fearful of outside of the narrative of Steph going 15 for 20? You know what I'm saying? Going crazy, seven, eight threes. He's shimmying all over the court and he's got 40 plus. Is that 40 plus really going to trump whatever LeBron and AD do in the same single game elimination scenario? I don't think so. I haven't seen too many games where Steph is a raging inferno and they beat a really upper echelon team. I've seen them be a raging inferno and they beat solid teams. They beat good teams. They beat lower seeded playoff teams. Might catch Utah on on the off night. Sure. All those things have to work. For this whole Steph raging inferno narrative to be true, you're going to need Steph to be a raging inferno and also Braun and AD to be trash in a big spot. And while you might be able to point out individual cases where one might be trash in a big spot, to have both of them trash in a big spot, that's highly unlikely. With the news that Jalen Brown is done for the season, do you think the boy genius wishes he would have took that 70 mil from Indiana? (laughs) Do you think the boy genius is regretting turning down the bag? to go back to his home state in Indiana where he's a god. Because the Celtics are floundering here. They're going to be in the play-in tournament most likely. No Jalen Brown, so it's going to be the Tatum show. And I don't really know what to expect. The Kemba thing has not worked. Marcus Smart has been in and out of the lineup. Injuries, COVID, things of that nature. This Celtics thing is trash. Has Evan Fournier done anything? I haven't checked in since he was 0 for 10 in his first two games. I, I kind of tuned out. 
on the whole Evan Fournier experiment that the Skimmadum Dea tried to get off. So, the Celtics thing. Is it time? Is it time? You've been listening to this pod. You can go back and check the archives. I have been calling the boy genius suspect for years. If you've been loyal to this pod, you know I've been calling the Scamadum Dea, Danny Ainge, suspect for years. He's the king of the coulda, shoulda, woulda. Could have had Anthony Davis. Could have had Kawhi. Could have had Paul George. Could have had James Harden. Could have had Kevin Durant. But all you got for it is Al Horford and Kimball Walker. We have seen the reports. We have heard the stories of the Skimmadum Dea trying to trade players that he knows and his medical staff knows are injured. And you wonder why I call him Scamadum Dea. Y'all think I just make these nicknames up just to be funny, just to be cute, just to be different. Scamadum Dea, boy genius. This man has had five, six, seven lottery picks on a roster. And it keeps getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, but they made three out of the last four years. But he keeps getting out-schemed and out-coached at the next to highest level. If you're getting out-coached in the Eastern Conference Finals, I mean, come on, son. Spo ran circles around him last year in the bubble. Circles. Absolute circles around him in the bubble. Does Boston have the guts? Now, obviously, it would take either the boy genius to walk away, because I don't think the Skimmadum Day will ever fire him. He can't fire him. Because guess who's next? So you can't do that. When a GM fires a coach, you have to understand that that means he's now on the clock. If you're riding it out together, if you're trying to make it a package deal, a tandem thing, you extend the duality of both of your tenures. But when you fire that coach, unless you got it real good, really, really good with the owner, you're on the clock, bruh. You're on the clock. So if the Skimmadum Dea has the balls, has the cojones to do that. He got about three years. He better hit on that next coach. He can't be wrong. Now what? Boy Genius been there, what, eight years? Eight years. What has changed? I called him Boy Genius because of the fact that when he came into the league, everyone just assumed, oh, he's a can't-miss coach. There were polls that went around on social media where Blue Check Boys put out, yo, if you could have any player in the league to start a franchise or have the boy genius start your franchise, what would you do? So essentially, if you could do a fantasy draft and there's every player in the league available or the boy genius, who would you go to? Who would you choose? Who would you draft? And you know who won that poll? Yeah, yeah, boy Genius. And if you would have took a poll, that same type of poll amongst Blue Check Boys, you probably would have got similar results. He was the LeBron of coaches, allegedly. He was a can't-miss prospect, a five-star, a five star, a blue chipper. He was whatever accolade, whatever ranking, projecting system you want to use. The boy genius was supposed to be a one-on-one. 
in eight years, you've gotten three trips to the conference finals and not one finals appearance. He's been coaching at least five to seven lottery picks damn near every year. And again, not one finals appearance. And there's no dynamic offensive system or philosophy. There's no dynamic defensive prowess or system in place. None of that. Just a regular coach. Just a basic-ass coach that's had a lot of talent damn near every year he's been in the league. He's been propped up. He's been prophesized for doing the bare minimum with multiple lottery picks on his roster. Does he rue the day he said no to 70 M's? He could have went back to college. He could have been a god again. I mean, staying in the NBA. I guess you don't want to go backwards, right? Career-wise, you don't want to go back. But in regards to success, he's a guy that can't coach high-level talent. We've seen that, right? Kyrie thought he was going to go there and learn from this boy genius. And within a couple of years, Kyrie was like, oh, nah. This ain't cool, dude, but this ain't what I thought it was. And he wanted out. Because of the boy genius, it was thought that maybe the uh, racial gap would close in regards to free agents wanting to go to Boston. Kyrie was supposed to lead the charge with that. Well, if Kyrie go there, then maybe. But then when Kyrie was like, yeah, I'm out. Boston became Boston again. Who's the marquee free agent? Al Horford? I mean, I'll leave that right there. But, you know, Al Horford ain't really, you know what I mean? You want to give me Kemba? I was a sign to trade. He signed there, but he only signed there because he wanted the money. It wasn't about being in Boston. It wasn't about being a Celtic. It was about, I got a bag. So nothing has changed. Free agents still don't want to go to Boston. Remember, AD's pops. When Danny Ainge was, you know, allegedly hovering over the Pels, trying to get into the Anthony Davis thing, Anthony Davis pops came right out. Oh, no, no, no. He, my son's not going to Boston. <laughs> my son ain't going to Boston. You think James Harden would have okayed a trade to the Celtics? You think New York strip clubs are bad. The Boston thing needs to come to an end. The problem is, I think they're both, the boy genius and the scammerdom Dea, are stuck. You turn down 70 M's, you can't go somewhere else and take less. Boy genius turned down 70 M's for seven years from Indiana. He can't go somewhere else for 50, 50 for five. So he can't go back to college. Who in the NBA is hiring him? If he were to walk away or mutually part ways with the Celtics, you know, to avoid the the narrative of getting fired, who really would go get the boy genius? After what you've seen, have you seen anything in Boston over these eight seasons that you, oh, no, 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 I need that guy. That guy will shift the culture. That guy will bring his scheme, his philosophy, and away we go. For all the shade I have against the meniscus tearing taskmaster Tom Thibodeau, at least I know if I hire him, I'm getting a defensive philosophy. I'm also going to get all my young players' knees running to the ground, but I'm getting a defensive philosophy. You hired a boy genius, what are you getting? 
You're getting narratives. You're getting perception. You're getting illusions. Are you getting reality? There was a point earlier in the year where Blue Check Boys were calling out Luka Doncic. Well, at least one Blue Check Boy. I think he called him, what, a whiner? Called him a whiner. And that shut down Twitter for a couple of hours. Like, holy shit, a Blue Check Boy has come out against Luka. Luka's turned into Rashid. Y'all peep that? He's racking up texts left and right. He's racking up texts left and right like Sheed. Like he's getting a rep around the league like Sheed. Reps are on notice when they do Luka games. A lot of back talk, a lot of glaring, a lot of slick talk. All of that is happening when you do Mav games. Is it because he's being emboldened by Mark Cuban? And you know Cuban and the refs... I mean, one day we'll talk about that whistleblower podcast. So, knowing what Cuban knows or alleges to know, you know he's told that to Luca. Star treatment, preferential treatment, reps maybe shading points towards certain spreads and whatnot. He's fed him that info. So now Luca is going out here and he's Slovenian hardened. He's drawing and flopping and he's doing all that he can to continuously get star treatment. And when he doesn't get what he perceives to be star calls or star treatment, he turns into that whiner. But yet and still, I've only heard that one blue check boy and that was months ago. That's still the only time I've seen someone on a national level criticize Luca. When are we going to get to the point when Luca can get chastised and it's okay and you're not a hater and you're not an old head? He's out here racking up texts left and right. He's turned into Rashid before our very eyes. He's Slovenian Sheed. Just a question. I just want to know, when will it be okay to nationally criticize Luka Doncic? Y'all know on here, I give it up. I give it up. I'll tear him down when he needs to get teared down, and I'll prop him up when he needs to be propped up. We came into the season, and this was supposed to be the ordaining, the donning of a new era, where we thought maybe over the last couple of years, the league was pushing Giannis and or Zion to be the next one. The media was telling us, no, 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 we're choosing Luka to be the one, and this is going to be his MVP season. This is going to be his coronation of being the next one. And Dallas is floundering around out here. Yes, Porzingis has been hurt. Yes, Tim Hardaway Jr. has been what they thought he was going to be at times throughout. Rick Carlisle, how long can you ride off that chip? How long can you ride off that one chip all them years ago? So granted, this was supposed to be Luka's MVP season. He's had a good season, but he hasn't been nowhere near a coronation MVP season. And now he's out here racking up texts and you're not hearing anything about it. I wonder why. I want to talk about the cat and Jimmy thing. But it's a few different perspectives here. Are we giving cat props for saying anything back? And if you need the backstory, obviously Jimmy Butler 
former Timberwolf, infamously, while a member of the Timberwolves during the practice, beat Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins and basically the starters with the third string without taking a shot, allegedly wearing a Rolex. Right. So Jimmy Butler, while with the T-Wolves, was not fond of the working habits, practice habits, whatever, of Wiggins in town. So he took the third string, it went up against the starters, and beat them. Again, without taking a shot. Allegedly, wearing a Rolex. So obviously, Jimmy gets his way out of Minnesota, works his way to Philly, ends up in South Beach. So now, the Heat played the Timberwolves, And I believe this is the first time him and Kat have been on the court together since that infamous practice. And we know how Jimmy gives it up. And he's been emboldened to be even more about giving it up with this heat culture thing wrapped around them as well. So he's talking shit on the court with Kat this past week. And he calls him soft, soft as baby shit. Don't you love the fact that you can listen to a platform where you can hear someone quote what Jimmy Butler says in full with no bleeps. Jimmy Butler told Carl Anthony Towns, you're soft like baby shit. Carl Anthony Towns replies, go call Rachel Nichols. Now, (laughs) even though it's a soft comeback, not soft as baby shit comeback, but it's a soft comeback. I like the Rachel Nichols line. It's still not a good enough comeback, but it's a witty enough comeback that I'll cut him some slack that it's not a good enough comeback, if you follow me. Soft as baby shit. A dude telling you you're soft as baby shit after he beats you and your man's in them with the third string while taking no shots and allegedly wearing a Rolex... That dude following up the next time he sees you on the same basketball court and beating you again tells you you're soft as baby shit. That's a lot to come back from. But to flip it right back and be like, yeah, all right, bro, go call Rachel Nichols. Because, again, backstory, after that practice where he took the third string, didn't take any shots, and allegedly wore a Rolex... He called Rachel Nichols, and that's how the story broke. (laughs) The only reason why we know of that infamous practice where Jimmy walked out after beating the starters with the third string, taking no shots, and allegedly wearing a Rolex is because he hit Rachel Nichols. Now, how he's hitting Rachel Nichols, how or why or under what circumstances he's hitting Rachel Nichols, I can't speak on that, Gams. But... It happened, and then the story went crazy, and now there's been layers upon layers of details that have been leaked out from this infamous practice as the year in change, well, it's been two years since then, right? About a year and a half, two years since that happened. You're soft as baby shit. <laughs> Go call Rachel Nichols. <laughs> it's, it's not good enough, but it's witty enough, and there's a difference. So that's one part of it, right? The other part is, did you catch Ant-Man? Ant-Man, he put his couple cents in. He put his two pennies in. 
and he was trying to ride for Cat, but it looked weird in how he decided to ride for Cat because that's his man's in them now. So in the post game, after the whole salt this baby shit and go call Rachel Nichols uh, one two. For some reason, the Timberwolves are having Cat and Ant-Man do post-game things together, like tandem. Kind of like how LeBron and Wade, when the Heels thing was going on, they used to do post-games together. Somehow, Cat and Anthony Edwards, Ant-Man, are doing that thing. And one of the reporters asked about the whole interaction, uh, you know, and because of the arena and the lack of fans in it, you could pick it up to sound real clear. Like, it was, it was blatantly to see. So, Ant-Man decided to answer the question that was directed at Call Anthony Towns in regards to the Call Anthony Towns-Jimmy Butler interaction. Right. And his answer was more like, you know, these are two grown men. You know, we should let that be. They're grown men talking. And it was weird because it looked like Anthony Edwards felt like he needed to step in and defend Call Anthony Towns. Now, (laughs) here's the problem with that. It's going to be hard to live down being called soft as baby shit when you're a whatever year vet six, what, probably five, six years for cat, maybe seven years for cat, seven year vet. And you got a rookie trying to defend your honor. That's not going <laughs> to. That's not going to do too much in regards to getting rid of the whole soft label. That's going to be problematic to get rid of the soft label. And that's been a thing for Cat. He's basically empty stats. He's not a compiler. Well, is he a compiler? Is he the porn fraud? Is he Jason Witten? Wow. Is Cat a compiler? Hey, look, I, I know he's Jersey, and I know people in Jersey have a soft spot for ballers and hoopers from Jersey. But is Carl Anthony Towns, is Cat a compiler? He's definitely known as soft around the league. I can definitely confirm that. Like, soft is baby shit. That's been said in many different ways, in many different text and group chats about Carl Anthony Towns. The problem is, how do you rectify that? How do you change that narrative if you have the number one overall pick who's going to supplant you as the face of your current franchise feels the need to defend you in the press game post-conference? I don't know. It's it's, it's looking bad for Carl Anthony Towns. So, one, I give him credit for at least having a comeback and having a witty comeback to Jimmy live and direct in the moment. But then he looked shaking the light in the post-game press conference having the future face of the franchise feel the need to defend him. So we give him props for one and shade for the other. So just like most things with Carl Anthony Towns, it's indifferent. It's 50-50. We can't lean any way. Can't lean in any kind of direction when it comes to Carl Anthony Towns. But is, is he a compiler? Let me know. That That's... Yeah... Yeah, I mean, that that's going to need a deep dive. I might have to do a deep dive on that. I don't know if I can add him to trash narratives. I don't know if I want to put him up on that trash narrative screen yet. But call Anthony Towns. Compiler? Yeah, I know I don't like viral stuff, but there was a tweet that I saw. And it was not by a, 
was it by blue? No, it was not by a a verified blue check boy, but it was someone who is positioning themselves to be a blue check boy. And they made this statement, and it kind of made the rounds, and it popped up on my timeline. And I don't know where to go with this. <laughs> it, it's so ludicrous that I really don't know where to go with this. So the tweet basically was pondering I think it's the, it's the word pondering aloud if Brian Flores coach of the Miami Dolphins if Brian Flores is the worst head coach slash defensive coordinator in the AFC East let me run that back for you someone who is position, positioning themselves to be a blue check boy of sorts pondered aloud Asking if Brian Flores is the worst head coach defensive coordinator combo in the AFC East. Now, sure, you want to go Belichick better than Brian Flores. I mean, Flores worked under Belichick, although we know how the Pats beat the Rams that Super Bowl, right? Where they only gave up three points, right? That really wasn't Belichick. That was Um, So... But benefit of the doubt, we'll give Belichick being better right now than Brian Flores. McDermott, Buffalo, eh, I wouldn't. But again, playoff success, you know, things of that nature. Okay, I don't agree. Tomato, tomato. You 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 want to go there with that? Okay. You telling me Robert Salah already, already for the Jets, who hasn't coached the game, hasn't been head coach for a game yet, is already better, better, better than Brian Flores. Did Salah win that Super Bowl or not a, a couple years ago? Did he win that or not? They lost, right? They gave up points, right? They couldn't figure out, okay, okay. They couldn't stop, okay. Mm. So Brian Flores goes out and is the DC of a defense that gives up three points against another boy genius in McVay. But Salah, who gave up touchdown after touchdown against, all right, okay. At times, I just I just can't understand it. Mans gave up. A fucking 30 piece to Mahomes and them. Flores gives up only a goddamn field goal to the boy genius McVay. But Salah is better. All right. Salah is better. All right. All right. And you wonder why. And I think, (laughs) I wonder how long it took Jets fans or just the New York media to understand that Salah, if the last name wasn't a giveaway enough, he's not what he looks like. <laughs> they they probably likened him to, I, I don't know who. He looks more like a McDermott. But in actuality, he's Muslim. Coming off Ramadan, Eid Mubarak, for all those out there. I wonder how long it took Jet fans to come to that. Sure, they had Herm, Todd Bowles. Sure, sure. 
Robert Salado. Robert Sala. However you want to go with it. I go Salah because Allah. Yeah, I mean, that's just, you know. It's interesting how people just jump to these narratives. What more does Brownsville's own Brian Flores have to do? You see how good the Dolphins are going to be? Not only now, but for the future. You know, the GM is also looks like Brian Flores, if you follow me. Miami is moving in a great direction, and it's because two brothers are holding it down in Miami. If you don't have a football team, but you're for the culture, if you feel as though the NFL wronged Colin Kaepernick and that made you walk away from the game of football, let me point you. If you walked away from the game, you're boycotting watching games, if there's any team you should root for right now, it's the Miami Dolphins. That should be all of our teams to keep it a buck. I see my analytics. I know who's listening. There's a small sect of y'all that may not fit this narrative, so salute to y'all. But overwhelmingly, we should be riding with the Dolphins. Just off the strength. Home team. So the fact that we have someone disrespecting home team's coach for a guy that just got there, for another guy that literally just landed on the job, has never coached a game, never been a head coach in the NFL as opposed to someone who's just coming off, what, the Dolphins won 10 games last year, right? I mean, certain narratives get created and it gets aggregated. That That's the problem. They get aggregated and they get pushed and they get clicks, retweets, likes, and things like that. And then I have to come on here and call out the bullshit. And lastly, before I get up out of here, and I am live and direct from a hotel room in South Carolina... Yeah, your boy's on the road again. Be on the road again next week as well. So won't be back in the crib um, until the end of the month, more or less. So I'm going to do what I can using hotel Wi-Fi and things of that nature. But uh, I'm making sure you're going to get some content in between now when I get back to the crib. So Touchdown Jesus. Touchdown Jesus is back. The prodigal son has returned. And Tebow... Is in the mix. And Tebow is polarizing. And Tebow sells jerseys. Everywhere he goes. Sold them in Gainesville. Sold them in Denver. Sold them with the Jets. And he sold them with the minor league Mets. So everywhere this fucking guy goes, he's dollars. In certain parts of the country, this man could do no wrong. In certain ideologies in this country, this man can do no wrong. And he is maximizing all of that to cash out everywhere he goes. And it's amazing that Urban Meyer is deciding to ride with him again because, I mean, if you're a current Jacksonville Jaguar, if you're a four or five year vet, and the new coach is coming in with a lot of bluster, a lot of fanfare, And his first thing, or one of his first things, is to bring in a retread former player who hasn't played competitive football in just about a decade. And that guy is being brought in to become a leader in the locker room? A leader in the locker room. So, obviously, Urban Meyer's first assessment is that the locker room is trash in Jacksonville. The locker room needs help, needs assistance in Jacksonville. And while that may be true, what in the world makes him think 
touchdown Jesus is the answer. What he's going he's going to do some some Exodus verses, he's going to he's going to lay down some hymns. If there's anything that's pr- always prevalent in an NFL locker room, it's Jesus. Okay? So, you don't need to bring in Tebow <laughs> if you want to infuse some Jesus in the NFL locker room. It's 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 been there. It's 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 always there. Trust. <laughs> so, the fact that he's trying to bring in Tebow to be this leader in the locker room, this ain't Gainesville. This ain't Heisman Tebow. This is washed up former minor league baseball player, Tim Tebow. This is third, fourth tight end on a roster, don't know how to block Tim Tebow. And you're asking this man, or you're prophesizing again this man to be a savior of sorts? Man, is Tebow the closest thing that we've ever had to Jesus? I'm not shitting you right now. Ask yourself that question. Think of the stories about Jesus, the the miracles that he was able to perform. Hasn't Tebow been prophesized just as much, if not more? I mean, I use touchdown Jesus literally. I use prodigal son in actuality. Tebow is walking in to a locker room that's going to be hating him from day one. And you already see the narratives being spin. Poor Jimmy Smith. Who has to go out here and shill for the Jaguars? Because, I mean, who else is? I bet you won't see Fred Taylor spitting that type of talk. Jimmy Smith is out here riding for it. Yeah, I wish we had Tim Tebow in the locker room. Like, what? <laughs> what Jimmy Smith, what? Yeah, Mark Brunel. You made five Pro Bowls, primarily because of Mark Brunel. You telling me? And, and Keenan McCardell. Shout out to Keenan McCardell. That was a dynamic tandem back in the day. But you're, you're telling me you'd rather have Tim Tebow throwing you the ball? You think you're going to be a, a five-time Pro Bowler, Hall of Fame wide receiver? If he had Tim Tebow throwing him the bar, throwing him the rock instead of Mark Brunel, is that really what Jimmy Smith is trying to get off right now? Is the does the spin have to be that crazy? Does the bail and the pleas have to be copped so crazy for Tebow that Jimmy Smith has to lie like that? Is that where we're at? Is touchdown Jesus such a thing that we have to go to those lengths to get this out there? It's sad. It's all sad. I feel sad. I feel bad for the current Jags because no one's going to care about them. No one's going to care about them. You're, they have Trevor Lawrence, and we're talking Tim Tebow. We're talking about a fourth, third, fourth string tight end, and they just drafted the number one overall pick. That was a QB that we've been waiting for for about three years. And we're not talking about him already. We're talking, we've moved on past that already. We're over here talking about a third, fourth string QB who's now trying to convert to be a third fourth string tight end this is the NFL you know what it is appreciate y'all for listening as I mentioned I'm on the road here in South Carolina I will try to get y'all a pod at some point next week probably I want to do uh, some playoff stuff obviously by this time next week we will, I think we, yeah, we'll definitely be in the playing tournament by this time next week. But um, Twitter spaces, if you're not following, follow on Twitter. I'm planning on doing something on Twitter spaces, and I want you all to be a part of it. 
I don't know if it's going to be a live pod type thing, but I definitely want to have some playoff preview conversations on Twitter space. So if you, if you have not followed me, now is the time. So T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D on Twitter, follow. And yeah, I think next week we're going to do something special on Twitter spaces, using Twitter spaces. I got that, like I mentioned a couple of pods ago. So I've been brainstorming some stuff and I think, yeah, we're going to do a little uh, round table thing using social media, using Twitter specifically. And that's where I'm going to build um, what I want to do here on Twitter, using Twitter spaces. So fuck me on Twitter if you haven't already. You know, you know what it is. The SMD Podcast. I'm the SMD. I'm out.